Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Are you still relying on a frustrating patchwork of legacy solutions? Modernize your cybersecurity and data protection with a Cronus CyberProtect Cloud. It's a single solution that combines backup, anti-malware, and endpoint protection management. As an MSP, you can easily improve clients' security posture, eliminate complexity, and generate more recurring revenue. Learn more about Acronis CyberProtect Cloud at acronis.com. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Kevin Coppins, who is the CEO of Spirion. And uh, welcome, sir. Why don't you tell us a bit about who you are and what Spirion is? Carl, thanks. It's, uh, it is great to be here. Who I am would be the boring part, so we'll start with what Spirion is, and then we'll back up, and I'm sure we'll learn enough about me during this conversation. Um, Spirion is in the business of sensitive data. Um, sensitive data always brings with it, when you're talking at an organizational level, risk. Let it be risk from it being compromised or misused, or let it be risk from being non-compliance with the myriad of regulations that are coming out around to protect our privacy. So Spirion's in the sensitive data business. We have been for over 15 years. We have the uh, absolute honor of serving um, every size enterprise uh, around the world and, uh, and continue to do so. It's really feels the last 48 months has been kind of the prime time for our, for our little company that's been chugging along for quite some time is really it's exploding in terms of the, uh, the amount of concerns and focus around the fluidity of what sensitive data is. So really excited to be here. I've been with the company just under two years. Um, prior to that, I've uh, worked in tech jobs here, there and everywhere right there in Sacramento. We were talking about that right before we went and started recording, but I've also, I grew up in Rochester, New York, and I've spent some time uh, living in New Orleans, living and working there as well as in Philadelphia. But I am here in Tampa, Florida. We're headquartered in St. Pete, and we've been here for almost 20 years, my family and I. So we're about as close to a native Floridian as you can get without being one. Right. Well, it's kind of like California. If you stay here long enough, you kind of become a native. So I'm, I, I didn't start my story there, but I'm actually a native Californian. <laughs> I was born in Pomona. So uh, there you go. All righty. So, okay. So you deal with, with data security. Uh, what specifically does Spirion do? Because, you know, I have data, I store it in the cloud. I uh, put it behind, behind two-factor authentication. What am I missing? Yeah. So we focus on the data side, not so much on the protection side. So your two-factor authentication access, where you located. That's one side of the organization. We're more the it inside of that. So let's say you've got a, uh, a spreadsheet. And let's say in column VU, um, it is a dump of social security numbers. And all that stuff is listed in there. The file is just called um, Carl's list of stuff. And you don't even realize that you pulled that down when you were pulling down a file from the, from the system. We will discover the fact that it has social security numbers in it. And we will allow you to do a myriad of things with that. You can redact it. You can go ahead and quarantine it. You can go ahead and just delete it and shred it. Or you can put a visual indicator saying, hey, before you go mailing this thing around, know there are there is some sensitive data in it. We can also do that inside um, PDFs, inside pictures, inside files. We can do it on your laptop. We can do it in the cloud. We're in the business of finding where those sensitive bits of data are 
so that then you can say, I want to have multi-factor authentication. I want to encrypt this section. I want to delete this stuff. So you minimize that sensitive data footprint, which at the end of the day is what people are after if they want to either break in so that they can compromise it or an insider that wants to misuse it. What we find is more often than not, it's just regular old folks trying to do their job and right. inadvertently ending up in a pile of sensitive data and not knowing that they got themselves in trouble in the first place. So does this, is this a, an agent that runs on my desktop? It, it is. So it can be an agent that runs on your desktop. It can be an agent that runs in the cloud. Very, very lightweight agent um, that is dormant until it's actually called upon. Calls back to a console that then allows you to go ahead and set policy around what's going on with that sensitive data. So do you protect a variety like financial data, uh, you know, other things that I might inadvertently not, you know, I, I don't even realize I'm emailing it out of my company? Yeah, you're, you're hitting on a, a bigger question or a bigger point, And that is what is sensitive data uh, for healthcare? That's PHI, um, financial services, might be GLBA. Um, for everybody, it's PII from a PCI standpoint. Uh, we ship with the product something we call an AnyFind, which we've been tuning over the last 15 years, which is a standard set of the most common elements of sensitive personal information. That's actually the SPI in Spirion. That's what it stands for. So that standard set's included. However, um, we do business with a lot of universities. Um, they have student IDs that are sometimes unique based on the formatting they actually have by university. We have other folks that have part numbers. We have other folks that have employee IDs. So we do have the ability to write what we call a custom sensitive data definition that can then go ahead and define that as well. I just found it interesting earlier last week. Um, it's been bubbling around for a while, but it finally hit the courts in California that now your IP address is sensitive data and personally identifiable. Right, which makes life very difficult because your IP address is everywhere. And I mean, I literally... We're connected through Zoom. I'm sure it would take me four minutes to find your IP address. Exactly. So, so th these are the, it's the fluid nature of what's defined as sensitive. So it's not just, okay, here's the four things I got to find and the one place I got to find them. It's constantly. So how much of this is a, a matter of uh, trying to make the end user care about this data? <laughs> <laughs> because the, the example is always doctors who say, Oh, you know, the, the Russians don't care about me. The, you know, nobody's after my tiny little practice, even though they are. <laughs> now you're hitting on my heartstrings. Um, you, you're exactly right. I was actually listening to, uh, I, I listened to AM radio. I'm that guy, I'm the one person that, because I just don't do anything cable wise. So I just listened to the good old local AM station driving in. And there was a, uh, one of the, the women on the show, she's younger and she's like, TikTok. She's like, I don't care what they have. Who cares if the Russian, the Chinese have my information? It was, that, it was that, that apathy. Or the other flip side of that is, well, they already have it all anyway. So there's no point in steering now. I might as well deal with it. And what we try to do is make it personal. Um, I actually just had my, my company kick off a month ago and I showed some videos. And there's one in there that was, I'll send it to you when we get done here. It was absolutely absolutely what we do, why we do every single day. And it was a woman that had her driver's license stolen. Happens to us all the time. It happened digitally as well as going to happen physically. And another woman took that driver's license and checked into a hospital and had a baby. And that baby was addicted to meth. So Department of Children and Families was called and they showed up at the real lady's house to take her children away. Ugh. Because... She had given birth to a baby with meth, so obviously she was an unfit mother. She'd never given birth. It wasn't her. 
she couldn't prove that it wasn't her. And you can go after that time and time and time again. And until we start taking personal accountability for those are the bits that get stitched together by the bad guys. That's one very simplistic example. But you mentioned IP address can take four minutes to me, go ahead and take other elements of you and tie them together so I can be you. Once there's two of you, it's very hard to prove which one's the real one. So waking up every day to protect the fact that that doesn't happen is something we need to take a heck of a lot more personally, because until it really happens to you, you don't know how bad it can be. It's not just my credit card got compromised and somebody bought some sneakers on my Amex. It is my life is gone and it is very, very difficult to get it back. Well, and today the credit card piece is actually the easiest piece because, <laughs> you know, you, you can challenge that. You can have one time use uh, credit card numbers and all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, one of the things that's changed over time is the general awareness. You mentioned uh, student ID numbers. I'm old enough that when, when I went to college, my social security number was my student ID number. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, printed, printed right on your laminated card. Exactly. And, <laughs> and written down for everything a thousand times over. And so that is in the records of the university and, and everywhere unprotected and will be forever. You know, and so some of this stuff, uh, it, you don't realize how easy the stuff is to get. Uh, many years ago, when I first got my first passport, I logged onto a site at, it was back in the primitive days of the internet, but I logged onto a website in North Dakota and I put in my name and my mother's name and my father's name and my address. And they sent me a copy of my birth certificate. And then it asked me if I wanted other birth certificates or death certificates, you know, kind of like Amazon, like people who bought Carl's birth certificate also enjoyed Kevin's, you know, birth certificate or whatever. And, um, and so I thought, well, I could easily get a hold of all of my brothers because, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. information is the same <laughs> and I know their address. And it's not like super difficult detective work. But the bad guys aren't buying one address at a time. They're buying thousands. Correct. And that's where you get into trouble because nobody might be looking for you, but they're looking for, for information. And that information is at my accountant, at my doctor, at many different places where I do business. Yeah, you, you bring up uh, another story I showed at that same all-hands meeting was a, was a woman who had been impersonated 200 times over. She had taken six years off of work um, to, to raise her family. And then she went back to get work. She applied at a temp agency and they said, you know, we're sorry, ma'am, you can't work here. She's like, why? They're like, because you already do. She's like, no, I really don't. They're like, yes, you do. And then as she kept pulling this ball of twine, um, which ended up her personal information, her social security number, as well as um, enough information to impersonate her was being sold at a flea market in Texas. So um, illegal immigrants that didn't have any identification would just go buy the identification at the flea market. So we always picture these guys in hoodies by these, you know, these Star Trek type rooms with all these monitors. Nope. They're just pretty much saying, yeah, I'm going to pick up some mangoes and I'm going to go ahead and grab some uh, identi identification while I'm here. 200 times. She owed taxes in 13 different states. It was wow. on CBS wow. News. So that this wasn't like a little boatee kind of thing. It's just shocking. To just how fast it can proliferate. And the thing that surprised me in this job what do you think? I didn't realize that the most valuable and most expensive piece of data on the dark web is your healthcare data. And you go, well, why would that be? Why wouldn't they want to have my financial stuff? Because you can go ahead and if I have your healthcare data, I can go to a doctor's office and get a prescription. 
I can do all kinds of things around from a healthcare standpoint. It's like, you know, they're like a thousand dollars where social security numbers are like 15 bucks or whatever it is. It's a wow. huge discrepancy between the two, but you don't think about your healthcare data that way. It's extremely valuable um, on the dark market. Right. Um, well, and that's the other thing is that this stuff is bought and sold on the dark web a thousand times. Nobody's going to buy your stuff once and say, oh, check the box. It's been used. So that's an excellent point. Um, so as an IT service provider, how do I buy this? How do I sell it? How do I deploy this to my uh, clients? Yeah. So we have, uh, we've been around a while. So I have a, a very traditional product that you can go ahead and buy, run it on premise buy it as a subscription or, or buy it as a perpetual license. Last year, we went ahead and released it as a cloud service, so you can buy it as a pure SaaS product. We've also added some elements to augment the core solution. One of the things we get asked uh, often, especially in uh, CCPA, CPRA, GDPR land, is can you help me do a data subject request, a subject rights request? So we put some functionality that we allow there, as well as some additional um, analytics around what's going on with the sensitive data. So you can purchase as a regular SaaS component, one of the things we've been working towards is being able to provide it also purely as a service. So rather than buying a product, you buy an outcome. So we can help you reduce, reduce the size of your sensitive data footprint as step one, which is the step one in any data protection process. So a, a variety of ways. So is it primarily an awareness thing or will it actually stop me from attaching that Excel spreadsheet to my email? I can do either. So it can either stop you or not. We're not a data in motion. So this isn't a traditional DLP that's going to stop it from floating, but it'll put a little flag on it to say this has got sensitive data. So I'm not going to prevent it at egress, but I can keep you from ever having it in the first place. Um, and we've worked with some other partners too to do some stuff around micro segmentation where you can start locking off different elements to keep it from ever leaving. We let the other tools you have in your ecosystem be more intelligent about the data that they're managing versus trying to go ahead and be yet another management tool one of the biggest challenges that you've got is the context around the file. What's in the file? What, is this the lunch menu or is this last year's tax returns? I'm going to treat one differently than the other one. And you got a lot of tools typically that can deal with how to treat it once it knows what it is. So some information, for example, phone numbers might not be sensitive to one company, but they would be sensitive to another. Yeah, is there said. a way for me to say no phone numbers or... No fun phone numbers under these circumstances. Yep. And we have some clients <clears throat> that only want to find very specific things. And, and by design, from a liability standpoint, there's other things they don't want to find. So I've got some organizations that are in the financial services business that only look for credit card numbers. Just find credit card. I got the ones that look for um, non-hashed passwords. So give me passwords that are out in the open. So yes, you can absolutely flag. Find this, don't find this. And you can do it by type. And I, I always, um, always forget to mention this, but finding it's one thing, Carl, it's the, I talked about giving it context. It, in the industry, it's called data classification. I like to call it enrichment. It's, I've interrogated the file. I've looked at everything and I'm looking at, uh, so you and I are in Zoom. I know people can't hear that, but I'm looking behind you and I see that in smallbizthoughts.org, all the stuff that's on your sheet, I will interrogate that as a file and I can see everything that's in it and I can come back and put metadata around the outside of the file that can be interpreted by any other system without exposing what the actual detail is so that you can be a lot smarter in how you manage that through the organization. So it's called classification. I call it data enrichment. But once you have that, you can set up some pretty discreet policy to be able to do some pretty cool things to protect your data better. Well, I imagine you could set up employees with different levels of access based on 
whether they're a temp or somebody who's in a different role or a salesperson or whatever. So that would be. Yeah. And that's, again, the access side of the house. You typically will have um, data access governance tooling you'll, or maybe something in your identity and access management suite of products. Um, that has all that stuff already set up, but it's typically at a folder level. Give you access to a folder. I have access to the folder, but we can actually at a file level say, no, you shouldn't have access to the file inside that folder because of the level of sensitive data that's within it. So we complement those tools to give them the level of granularity required. Very cool. So let's take a quick break just so you can give out some contact information. How do we get in touch with you? How do we get in touch with Spirion? Yeah, so for me directly, LinkedIn is, uh, is my friend. So go ahead and look me up on LinkedIn. Go ahead and feel free to go ahead and connect. Spirion is simply www.spirion.com. And one other thing that I'll put out there too that, that's uh, probably a broader resource than just our company. We do sponsor a podcast called Privacy Please. It's actually run by a couple guys inside the company. It is not a commercial for Spirion, but we've had the really good fortune of interviewing, um, I'll say security and privacy uh, luminaries from around the world. We just recently had the head of privacy for Uber on, um, had some great conversations around privacy by design and a, and a book that he's written. We've also had state senators on that are actually writing this legislation. Um, various vendors that complement us, some that even compete against us to really get the message out that this is a big deal, not because you can be fined or flogged or fired, but because it's personal. So I'd recommend listening to that too. And that's just the Privacy Please podcast where you can get it all your normal podcast spots. Excellent. And you'll send us a link so we can post it. <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. I have, a, I have a note to ask you about that. So Got it. Got it. Got it. So, so I also have a note here that says, uh, uh, Kevin doesn't want happy customers. <laughs> Why? What's that about? Yeah, well, it's um, it's something I read a while ago, but I, and I, if I knew the source, I'd tell you, so I'm not trying to not. It was an article I read where it says, you don't want happy customers, which which shocked me. And then I read through it. And I'm like, you're right. I don't want happy customers. I, I want successful customers, and they're different. Happiness is a temporary state of mind. Happiness is a chocolate bar. I'm going to give Carl a chocolate bar. He's going to eat. He's going to be happy. Then it's going to be gone. And he'll be sad. And a lot of times, I think the vendor-client relationship is, I'm not happy. We'll drop consultants out of the plane. We'll come fix everything. And then we'll go ahead and pop. And it's a temporary state. Success means sometimes I'm going to have to say, you know what? Your administrator was sleeping during our training class. And that's the reason that you're not doing well. And sometimes that's a very difficult conversation to have because vendors never want to say a bad thing about the customer. But you got to have an open dialogue because we're focused on success being able to protect your sensitive data. Sometimes if we have this concern about, well, the customer's not going to be happy if I say this, if that flies in the face of success, we've got to be courageous enough to go in and say, this is about you you getting the value that you want to get, not about you being happy. So no, don't want to have, sometimes they are happy. And I probably have a customer or two listening to this. So they are happy, but that's not my end goal. My end goal is their success. Very good. So you mentioned that, you know, the, the business has really kind of exploded in the last few years. And I completely understand that with not just ransomware going crazy, but uh, all of the legislation. Uh, I guess it, uh, it probably the boom started with GDPR, but now you have, you know, state legislators getting involved. You have insurance companies doubling their rates because of uh, ransomware and, and attacks and so forth. And you have, you know, international uh, agencies and governments who are um, funding attacks at a level that we just could not have imagined 10 years ago. So 
is there a happy future or is it just like from now on, we just add more and more armor and more and more stuff? It's, it's all doom and gloom, Carl. Just, just head into the basement and make sure you got a lot of food. <laughs> um, it, it's, there's always going to be point counterpoint. It's always, it's, it's, it is absolutely getting harder. And for what we do, and, and actually I can take it back and say, I think Gartner actually got it, got it right. He said, look, security when it comes to um, enterprise data security, you're going to have two elements. You're going to have identity and you're going to have data. All this perimeter stuff and all this other stuff we've built over the years is going to be somewhat less relevant. You've got to really ensure that this person is who they say they are and then have policy around what they can do and what they can't do. Right? That, that's got to be a certainty. Then on the data side, it's got to be what is this data and who can go ahead and interact with it. And that who is not just a person, that who can also be a system, because a lot of times these breaches are system driven. So if you, if you boil back down to if I just focus, if I had $1 to go ahead and spend, if I could go ahead and shrink the number of copies that I have of your student ID, as the example that you gave earlier, or in an organization, an organization would have 20 copies of my passport from my I-9 form and the travel department and HR. If I can get that down to one, and then I can make sure that one is really, really well protected, I'll be significantly more secure. So rather than trying to build the walls higher and dig the moat deeper and make the crocodiles more fierce, how do I go ahead and just make sure I don't have the crown jewels laying around the entire kingdom, but I've got them in one spot. I know where they are. I know they're secured. I understand the identities that can interact with that. And my security footprint will be that much stronger. Right now, the challenge is, is that things are so distributed and the cloud came over so quickly. And with the cloud, data just proliferates in seconds. I often ask um, chief privacy officers, even CEOs, how much data do you have? And they go, I have no idea. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you don't. <laughs> well, and 10 years ago, uh, it used to be, you know, you'd have 100, you know, gigabytes of data. And now, you know, we have terabytes just hanging out everywhere. And we make entire copies of it in a different cloud just to be safe. <laughs> so, you know, you've got copies of copies of copies that are now copied to a different cloud. And everybody's terrified to delete anything. One of the features of our technology is we allow you to shred stuff. So you find two copies of a passport or you find this, you know, this is something on Kevin's laptop he should not have. So we can go ahead and forensically shred it. And people are like, no, no don't turn that on. Cause what if we need it? Nobody deletes anything. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The old, what if I need it? That's, that's yeah. why people's houses are cluttered and they make jokes <laughs> about it. Right. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't change. Very, very true. So with um, all of the stuff that's going on, is this a product for, tiny companies for mid-sized companies like what at what point at what size should a company invest in a product like this yeah it's a good question and it's invest in a product or invest in an outcome right kind of what it's something i mentioned before it doesn't matter what size your organization is you're dealing with sensitive data the ice cream i'm sitting in my office so the ice cream shop around the corner They've got their iPad and they're swiping credit cards and they've got their customer of the month and the flavor list and they got their marketing. They've got sensitive data. You know, they might only have half a million dollars of revenue. So it's not a matter of the size of the organization, the sensitive data. And you still, you read it. I'm sure you read it uh, in the local paper there too, that some local small doctor's practice or some of this was, was compromised or hacked and put them out of business. So I don't want everybody thinking, well, I'm not big enough to worry about it. Yes, you need to worry about it. Now, how you go about doing that, do you use an enterprise tool like us, or do you work with a local managed service provider to say, help me shrink my sensitive data footprint and better protect it? It's, it's about understanding your risk profile 
And that's based on how much sensitive data you handle, not typically based on how large you are. Uh, take a small university. Um, I, Penn State doesn't have any different challenges than the local Apopka Community College has up the street from me here. They still have a bunch of sensitive data and they've got to manage that risk profile appropriately. So that, that's, that doesn't change. We, we can help both. We work with managed service providers to provide those services and we work with large enterprises to provide you know, full-blown solutions. I, my, my passionate plea, in case you couldn't get is recognize you have the challenge, whether you solve it with my product or you solve it by just being a lot more disciplined about how you deal with that data, uh, make sure you understand it. Right. Well, the discipline is a difficult thing because people forget. I mean, most ransomware happens because something opens up and somebody thinks, ah, I can't tell if that's real or not. Let me click it and find out. <laughs> so, you know, uh, no matter how much training you do, that sort of reality happens. Um, so how is your product sold? Do you sell directly? Uh, obviously you sell through MSPs. Do you do both of those? That vast majority of what we sell is, is within through channel partners. So we work with partners that are typically working to solve or address and mitigate risk at organizations. And they bring us in to say, this is going to be part of the overall solution. So depending, you know, if it's a pure on GDPR, we have to solve for this. We might be 90% of the solution. And if somebody's looking for a broad data protection path for their enterprise, we might be just one piece in the cog. We sell most of what we do with them through partners. All right. And so folks go to spirion.com to get started. Uh, and do you have uh, like training materials or anything for managed service providers? Yeah, we do. We've actually got a, a full-on portal um, that managed service providers can log into. We've got some training in terms of basics, fundamentals, as well as technical training as well. If they want to get uh, involved, not just in the managed service side, but actually go ahead and deploy and resell. And, and so, yeah, we've put all that. That's been a lot of the work we've been doing since I joined. Company's been around a while. What we didn't have was a lot of those enterprise tool sets to help people self-scale. So we've even got a, you know, have a community in place for Spirian users and a, and a host of other stuff. So yeah, we're, we're ready for it. Very cool. Well, uh, I look forward to checking out your podcast to see what's going on there. And, uh, you know, with luck, uh, we'll have you back again and get a, a tune up on uh, how things are going in 2021. I really, really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, Kevin Coppins from Spirion and Spirion.com. This is Carl with yet another SMB community podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB community podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.